0: Good evening, Night Church. If you haven't met me, my name is James, and if you're someone like me, you'll find great joy and comfort when it comes to reading the Bible, as indeed all scripture does come from God. Tonight we're going to continue in John chapter 3, starting at verse 1 and finishing at verse 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, "'Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, "'for no one could perform the signs you are doing "'if God were not with him.' "'Jesus replied, "'Very truly I tell you, "'no one can see the kingdom of God "'unless they are born again.' "'How can someone be born when they are old?' Nicodemus asked. "'Surely they cannot enter a second time "'into their mother's womb to be born.' No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God.
1: I'll do uh, keep Bible open there and uh, we're going to be working through that passage tonight. Well, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go uh, and go to a conference with uh, Tim Keller. Uh, he's a famous Presbyterian minister. Maybe, I don't know if there's any other famous Presbyterian ministers in the world, but uh, he's, he's the one. Uh, and uh, he's an author as well. Uh, he uh, ha, was a pastor, a minister in, uh, in New York. And uh, he was visiting Australia a, a few years ago. And there was a big conference down in Sydney. And uh, not only did I get to go to the conference, but actually before the conference, they had a bit of a, a lunch for Presbyterian ministers who could go along and have a special session uh, with Tim Keller to talk about Uh, The joys of being uh, Presbyterian. Now uh, Tim Keller is a little bit of a hero of mine, Uh, I really have learnt a lot from his uh, sermons and books over the years. Uh, He has really shaped the way that I think about preaching and ministry and um, how we do church in kind of the 21st century and so it was really great to go along and hear him in person. I don't know if you've got a kind of favourite preacher or a favourite teacher uh, or someone, uh, an author maybe, who uh, you love to listen to and learn about your Christian faith, Uh, maybe you download their podcasts uh, and listen to them, maybe there's books and your uh, bookshelf, you know, has a a big section of uh, books by this particular author and they've really influenced your life. Uh, faithful and gifted teachers, they are a real gift from God and uh, we're going to be very thankful for the people who've uh, taught us and helped us to understand God's Word and live for Him. But in today in uh, John chapter 3, we actually see that while uh, teachers are great, uh, as human beings we're really going to need something more than just great teachers and preachers. Uh, we need someone more who can just impart information to us, who can just challenge us to do better in our lives. Uh, we actually need someone who can give us a whole new life, uh, someone who can take us from darkness uh, and bring us into light. That, that's the radical kind of thing that we need as human beings. And Jesus uh, teaches us this vital truth as he has a conversation with this Pharisee called Nicodemus. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. There's a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, uh, who's a member of the Jewish ruling council. Pharisees are kind of a bad reputation today and uh, probably synonymous with a hypocrite, aren't they? But kind of got to get, get that a little bit out of your head as you, at least as you start to read the, the Gospels. Uh, we, we do come across Jesus having conflict with the Pharisees as we go along and we start to wonder if they uh, start to develop a, a bit of a, uh, I guess, a bias against them. But in general society at the time of Jesus, uh, Pharisees weren't uh, the, the kind of, uh, weren't seen as uh, hypocrites or as uh, kind of people who oppose God... Nicodemus really is like an elder in the church or uh, maybe a member of our Presbyterian Assembly that uh, meets down in Brisbane once a year or like the a member of the Gospel Coalition who uh, kind of, you know, uh, ha- has kind of a, a leading role in, in evangelical churches around Australia or around the world. Uh, he's someone who is in a really well, uh, a position of a well-respected and committed member of God's people, not just a Pharisee, but a, a member of the ruling council. But in spite of his very impressive position, as he comes to meet John, there are actually some hints that maybe uh, Nicodemus is not as knowledgeable or spiritual as his position suggests. First thing that suggests that to us is that Nicodemus arrives at night. Whenever I heard this story in Sunday school, I think I always heard that Nicodemus came at night because he was embarrassed and he didn't want people to know that he was coming to see Jesus. And maybe that's true. But I actually don't think that's the main reason that we're told that he comes at night. Of greater significance about nighttime is that nighttime is when it is dark and darkness is a big theme in John's gospel it's a big theme in this very chapter darkness and light and so coming in the dark that's a bit of a hint about Nicodemus's spiritual state he's in the dark he's he's in the dark about Jesus and he's in the spiritual darkness more generally Nicodemus comes at night because his relationship with God is actually, it's much less healthy than it might appear from his position in society. And Nicodemus's first words to Jesus also hint at the fact that maybe there's some issues with his uh, relationship with God. Uh, verse 2, Rabbi, he says, uh, "'You know, uh, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God.' For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. First glance, this again sounds positive, doesn't it? To address Jesus as teacher or rabbi is a respectful thing to do, uh, to see the miracles and realize that Jesus has come from God in some way, that, that sounds good. But uh, Jesus is actually suspicious of people who've done miracles. Just three verses before John, uh, before this verse, John chapter two verse twenty three. Uh, have a look at what it says there. Uh, Many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. Jesus knows? Plenty of people like to see miracles. Who doesn't love to see some water turned into wine, or you know, thousands of people fed out of five loaves and two fishes, or sick people healed? Uh, that kind of thing is great. It's good fun. It's uh, it's amazing. But just because you like that, it doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It doesn't mean that you want to worship Jesus with your whole life. That you want to entrust yourself to Him and follow Him and join His kingdom. All that means is you want a good party. And so the fact that Nicodemus sees the miracles, it it suggests that Jesus is suspicious. Maybe Nicodemus uh, is arriving expecting more of a kind of interesting discussion with Jesus. He's a spiritual leader, Jesus seems like a rabbi and teacher. Uh, Maybe they can compare notes uh, and see how they're understanding. Uh, we don't know exactly, of course, what uh, that Nicodemus was intending to discuss. But I wonder if he was intending to try and clear up some of the things that had happened in the previous chapter. If you remember, two weeks ago when we looked at John chapter two, Jesus had gone into the temple and made that whip and cleared out the animals and overturned the money changers and told people he was going to he could rebuild the temple in three days, and that had caused a fair bit of commotion and understanding and bad feeling, and maybe Nicodemus is sort of. Thought he'd come along and say, hey, Jesus, you know, uh, we can see that you've, uh, you do these miracles, but, you know, that stuff you did at the temple, that, that probably wasn't that smart. Maybe we can just, uh, you know, tone it down a bit, uh, be a bit more reasonable. Uh, maybe, you know, I can give you some guidance on, on how, you can, uh, how you can do things. But Jesus is not interested in that kind of conversation at all. He doesn't even let Nicodemus get to his point. Uh, As soon as Nicodemus arrives, Jesus confronts him with this confusing claim. Look in verse 3. Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. See, knowing about Jesus, just accepting that he's a miracle worker. that's not enough to understand god's plan it's not enough to be a part of god's kingdom you need to be born again i think for 99% of people even the first time you read these words it's pretty clear jesus is using a metaphor here isn't it uh, it's a bit like the joke why did the scarecrow win an award because he was outstanding in his field uh, there's like a double meaning you know outstanding in his field you, you get it and born again is kind of like that it's got double meaning and uh, you'd think everyone would get that you, especially a, a religious scholar like Nicodemus you'd think he'd pick it up that Jesus was using a uh, figurative language here but he really is in the dark verse 4 how can someone be born when they're old Nicodemus asks Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus just completely misses the spiritual significance of what Jesus is saying. I mean, he's got this crazy idea in his head of somebody going back into the womb and coming out again. And uh, it's just, it's clearly impossible. It's crazy. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Uh, Verse 5 Jesus tries to explain further to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the Kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Born again, born of water and the Spirit, that's what it means. Now, this might not sound a lot clearer to me or you as we read it, but again, for Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader, somebody who had read the Old Testament uh, a lot and and knew all about it, this idea of being born of water and the Spirit would definitely uh, remind him of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 6, 36, sorry. God is talking to the Israelites who are in exile in Babylon. Uh, They're they're there because they're being punished by God because they've worshipped idols and they've uh, disobeyed God. They've rejected Him. They've been immoral and unjust in all sorts of different ways. And so they've been punished by being sent away into Babylon. And God, through Ezekiel, He comes to them and He says, if I'm going to bring you back from exile, if I'm going to forgive you and welcome you back to be my people again, Then I'm going to have to wash you clean with water, and I'm going to have to give you a new heart through my Holy Spirit. Let me uh, read you those verses from Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You can see here Ezekiel saying that for Israel to get right with God, it's not a small thing. It's not just a band-aid and a bit of Betadine like you know when your kids scratch their their ankle, or scratch their knee or something it's not just a couple of Panadols to get rid of the caffeine withdrawal headache For Israel to get right with God they need open heart surgery they need this deep clean that is going to wash them on the inside get rid of their sin and idolatry they need a replacement heart with from God's spirit that will Empower them to begin to actually live for God and follow His instructions. And that's what Jesus means when He talks about being born again. He means you need to receive a new spiritual heart from God. You need to have the spiritual breath of His Spirit inside you. And this is such a big deal, it's such a major transformation that it's like being born again. You are starting a whole new life. That's what needs to happen if you want to be part of God's people, if you want to be part of His kingdom. This is a lesson Nicodemus needed to learn, and I think it's a lesson that each of us needs to learn as well. We can all be tempted to think that, like Nicodemus, we're basically pretty good people, uh, that maybe it would be interesting to have some helpful tips from Jesus to get us back on the right track. It would be helpful to have uh, a life coach that, uh, who might help us become the best version of ourselves. That's not what Jesus is talking about, is it? Our spiritual failures are so deep that we actually need to wipe the slate clean and we need to start all over again. We need to be born again. And you kind of see, here from Jesus' words, being born again isn't just something that happens in America. Uh, it's not just something that happens uh, to people in uh, more Pentecostal kind of churches. No, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, uh, a Jewish leader here. Everybody needs to be born again. To be born again is the only way that you can enter God's kingdom. And if you have never... Being born again. then You should think about uh, how you can do that uh, today and you can come and chat to me and I would love to talk to you about that because being born again is vital. And actually, if you want to know a bit more about that, uh, Jesus here goes on to explain a bit more because Nicodemus is still a little confused about this uh, born again thing and so Nicodemus, uh, Jesus gives Nicodemus another picture from the Old Testament. This is a picture that you might actually be a little bit familiar with, particularly if you're in the medical world, because the, the picture of the snake on the pole is something they see all the time. It's on uh, the edge of all the ambulances. Sometimes you see it in doctors' surgeries. It's become a symbol of healing uh, in our culture. But originally, the image of the snake on the pole, uh, it comes from an incident during the Exodus when Israel was wandering around in the desert uh, before they went into their promised land. And you might remember, if you know anything about the Exodus, that as Israelites were wandering in uh, in the desert, uh, they were seriously world-class whingers. Uh, They were complaining and they were complaining. Uh, They uh, were particularly offensive to God who just graciously brought them out of uh, slavery. And one time they were complaining and they were accusing God not just of failing to take care of them but actually trying to kill them by taking them into the desert. They were saying, man, we should have just stayed in Egypt. It was so much better there uh, back in slavery than this freedom that you've given us, God. And so as a punishment and I think maybe it was kind of a punishment to show the Israelites what it was really like if God wanted to kill them, God sent this plague of poisonous snakes into the Israelite camp. And they were everywhere, and people were getting bitten, and they were dying. And so then they suddenly realized that they did need God, and so they stopped whinging, and they started crying out to God for help. And God heard them, and graciously He said to Moses, their leader, He said, make a bronze snake... Put it on a pole, stick it in the middle of the camp, and anyone who looks to the bronze snake will be saved. Uh, they, will, um, you know, the, they will be healed from the poison. And that's what happens. Uh, Moses made the bronze snake, people looked at it, and as God promised, they were saved. Jesus says to Nicodemus that he needs that bronze snake. Uh, verse 15, uh, 14, sorry, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Nicodemus Jesus says he's like those dying Israelites who've uh, in the desert who need to look to the serpent on the pole. He's actually just as sinful and rebellious as they were. He isn't facing the immediate physical judgment with the poisonous snakes crawling around his ankles, but he is just as much under the judgment of God for his rebellious and sinful attitude. And it's only the Son of Man, it's only Jesus who can save him? Jesus is going to be raised up like a serpent. And this is a reference to when Jesus, of course, is uh, nailed to the cross. And as Jesus is nailed to the cross, his death is going to take away the judgment of sins. He's going to suffer the punishment for sins in our place, the innocent one for the guilty. And so Nicodemus needs to look to him, all of us, need to look to Jesus on the cross. That is how we are saved from God's judgment. That is how we are born again. And this is what the famous verse, John 3, 16, is talking about. Jesus has come to be like that ancient serpent on a pole uh, to save us from judgment. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. qualification for being in god's kingdom it's not about your background it's not about your achievements it's not about being respectable or wealthy or powerful or a religious leader like nicodemus the one qualification for being saved from judgment the one qualification for entering god's kingdom is to believe in his son One qualification is coming to that point where you realise that you aren't going to be able to save yourself, that you aren't going to be able to uh, please God through self-improvement or through spiritual disciplines or theological study or church attendance or giving to charity or any of those other things. You come to the realisation that you need to put yourself in Jesus' hands. You need to believe in Him. You need to follow Him. That is how you are born again To eternal life. That is how you come out of the darkness and come into the light and begin to experience real transformation. uh, It goes on in verse 19 at the end of this section, this is the verdict, light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Nicodemus, he came to Jesus in the dark. That's actually a picture of all of us. All of us uh, are naturally... In, in the dark, we're separated from God, uh, all of us are in the dark too, I think, in the sense that we like to keep the shameful and sinful parts of our lives and our hearts away from everybody else and try and uh, pretend that uh, we're better than we are. Nicodemus came thinking that all he needed was a rabbi, that if he could just find someone to you know, maybe explain a few extra points of the faith to him, uh, that would be enough and that is the way that some of us think as well. As we try and hide away uh, our sins and, and uh, compare ourselves to others, we think that we're respectable and capable and functional, who are getting along all right. But Jesus says, no, you need so much more than that. You need a Savior. A Savior can give you a fresh start. You need a Savior who can forgive you and cleanse you and fill you with His Spirit. You need a Savior who can bring you out of darkness and bring you into His light uh, where you can be forgiven and, uh, and, and know that all uh, your sins have been washed away. Have you come to that point of realizing your need? Have you moved past the curiosity of Nicodemus to the point where actually you have put your whole life in the hands of Jesus? Have you accepted uh, the loving gift of God, of his only son, and believed in him? There is nothing else and no one else. can give you the radical new start that you need to be a part of god's kingdom let's pray father in heaven we do thank you for jesus's words to nicodemus uh, for the reminder that we need that heart transplant from you to be born again father we thank you that jesus has come so that we can be born again that he was lifted up on the cross so that we can look to him and find forgiveness and cleansing and the the, uh, filling of your spirit. We pray that each one of us here tonight uh, might have come to that point where we acknowledge our need uh, and where we put ourselves in the hands of Jesus, where we believe in him. And we pray in his name. Amen.